loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports NBA podcast. Well, let me correct that, our basketball podcast, because the past few weeks we've been focusing on the WNBA, which has been much more exciting than the NBA as of late. We're going to get into WNBA. We're going to get into some NBA scheduling stuff, some stories that me and my new co-host, Miles, have been following the past few weeks. Miles, this is our first time working together on this show, but I'm super excited to to get after with you. Every, you know, don't break the streak, but every new co-host that I've had in the past two months has been awesome. So hopefully you can live up to those expectations. I'm glad. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I have a lot to talk about. Excited to talk about the Liberty this evening, some NBA. I know Robert Williams got a new big deal. So I'm excited to break that down. Oh yeah, a lot to get after. And speaking of Liberty, Miles is actually one of our beat reporters for the New York Liberty at WFUV Sports. Him and Gigi Spear take on a, the bulk of that load. So Miles, how has that been going to games, reporting, going to the press conferences, whether they're on Zoom or in person? How has that experience been? It's been an amazing experience. It's it sucks that the Liberty haven't been playing great, but it's been it's been a great time. They recently had a two-game set at home against Seattle, and obviously with Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart coming back, Liberty didn't stand much of a chance. Luckily, uh, they were resting them the first couple nights coming off the Olympic break and things. So Liberty were able to steal one at home with Brianna Stewart and uh, Sue Bird out due to rest. But then once they came back, they kind of got rolled in their most recent game at home. And then they uh, had the Sparks come in who weren't playing well in the beginning of the year, but then they had some guys come or some so people come off injury recently in their full strength, and they ended up rolling the rolling over our Liberty as well. So that wasn't fun to watch. But they're back in action tonight against the Phoenix Mercury, who are also a star-studded team. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to the game right after this podcast, so that should be fun. But yeah. I, I talked to Gigi Spear a few episodes, I guess it was last episode already, um, about the Liberty and how they've struggled as of late. I mean, we are getting to playoffs with the WNBA and it seems right now there's kind of a top three teams, Seattle storm, you have the Las Vegas aces and then the Connecticut sun have really emerged coming out of the Olympic break. So to me, it seems like those three teams kind of have an advantage. And then the rest of the playoff picture is a little messier. You know, it seems like it's pretty much anyone's game at this point. The links have looked good. Sylvia Fowles just went off. Mm-hmm. She put 29 points and 20 rebounds. First WNBA player in history to have at least 20 points, 20 rebounds, three steals, and three blocks in a game. So that was really cool. And then you mentioned the Mercury. I mean, any team that has Brittany Griner on it is going to be in contention every year. So for you, what are what are some teams maybe that you're looking to 
break into that playoffs, maybe a, a contender that we haven't talked about much, maybe not beyond just those top three teams. Yeah, well, there are a lot, of, like you said, there are a lot of teams right in that bubble where they could make it, they might not. And it's funny, the, the big difference between the WNBA and the NBA is that there are only 12 teams in the entire WNBA. So the talent is really condensed. There are really no bad teams. They're obviously the bottom tier teams like Minnesota and Atlanta who have had some pretty down years, but even they have some really talented players. There's not that many players in the WNBA. It's a very elite group. Every team has talent. And so it's funny, like you mentioned, uh, eight teams out of the 12 actually make the the playoffs. So you'd think, oh, 75% of the teams make it. The vast majority, it shouldn't be too hard to make the WNBA playoffs, but it really is when the talent is so is dispersed so evenly and teams like the Liberty, they're going to have a real challenge the rest of the way to make these playoffs. I believe they have seven games left. They start this two game series against the Mercury this evening. And obviously they have Diana Taurasi, Brittany Griner, and even Skylar Diggins Smith. They have a really a three headed monster similar to the teams at the top, like Connecticut and Seattle. So it's going to be hard for the Liberty to steal one, let alone two at home. And then they have the, they start a quick road trip. They go out to Minnesota to face the Lynx, who recently beat them the past couple of weeks. And then they have to go to the storm again. So things really don't get easy for them the rest of the way. I, I, I'm pretty pessimistic when it comes to the Liberty's uh, playoff seating. I think they're at the seven right now. They're going to have to win at least three or four out of their seven games left to, to make these playoffs. And I personally don't see it happening. There's, there's even teams like Dallas with Arike Akumbawale, who's, who's a real breakout star. She'll be she'll come into MVP form, in my opinion, over the next season or two. And, and it's just tough for these Liberty because they have the talent, they're young, but it's just it's such a competitive league. It doesn't seem that they're gonna succeed. Yeah, Miles, I think that's a really good point. I, I do you see that with the WNBA, it's like every time you look at a roster, it's like, oh, I know that name. I know mm -hmm. that name. I know that so name. True. Even if you don't really follow the sport, I mean, the league, the, these are the best players of all time. Like they just released the top 25 WNBA players of all time. And I'm pretty sure like 22 out of 25 are still playing. So this, you're right. This is an extremely competitive league. And because of that, not only is it anyone's game night in and night out, but it's also in, when you come down to the playoffs, like you're right, any team could find a way, could rely on their all-stars to have breakout games and to find a way um, into those, I, like you mentioned, eight, top eight spots, but even beyond that top four, top five, getting playoff buys. I mean, there's just some really big superstars. And, and speaking of one superstar who's finally back after two back surgeries and 22 months off, two-time MVP Elena Deladon, who's, mm -hmm. in my opinion, one of probably the top 10 WNBA players of all time, Absolutely. maybe top five, maybe top three, depending on who you ask. And she's back now for the Mystics, who were lower in the in the playoff rankings, but they're eight and a half games back from first, I believe, but only a game and a half back from the LA Sparks, if I'm correct. And I think having her back could really help them in that push. What's your opinion on her being back? Is that is that going to be enough for the Mystics to even maybe stay above or pass your New York Liberty? I think they definitely have a chance to make the playoffs. They obviously had Tina Charles carrying them through the first half of the year. Now that they've Deladon back, they really have that, you know, one-two punch that they need because, you know, there's so many stars in the WNBA. One star just isn't enough. But now that they have Deladon back, they absolutely, in my opinion, have a better chance to make the playoffs than 
than the liberty. And, and that breaks my heart to say, but I definitely believe it's true. The liberty don't have that one-two punch that a lot of teams do. The, the top tier teams, like let's say Seattle, they have the Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird. I, we have Sabrina Unescu and a few players that step up on any given night, like a, a white comb, but you know, even with her injury, that really hurts, uh, hurts the Liberty's chances, but it sucks. It does seem that you need at least two to three all-stars to carry you through the end of the playoffs and, or the end of the season to get in the playoffs. And it just doesn't seem that the Liberty have those two to three players that are reliable night in and night out. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's one thing to have uh, a big two or big three with Sabrina Ionescu and then a few, you know, a few role players. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to have Liz Cambage, mm -hmm. uh, you know, AJ Wilson, Kelsey Plum yeah. on the aces. You have obviously Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird with Seattle and then Connecticut's son, Brianne January, Dewana Bonner. Yeah. I mean, just these and uh, John Paul Jones, who, who easily could be an MVP. I'm pretty sure her teammates were wearing uh, Jones for MVP shirts mm -hmm. after their yeah. last win in the press conference. So just a lot of big names right now who are carrying their teams. I, I, I would be, it'd be hard pressed for the remaining nine teams to catch up with, in my opinion, those top three, the sun, aces and storm, but it's really exciting stuff. And I, I really hope that people continue to tune into these games. I mean, I mean, you've been to them in person. You've obviously follow it. I follow it. Gigi follows it. And a lot of, a lot of uh, people who cover the NBA for us at WFU sports are also big WNB fan, WNBA fans. So, What's your opinion on how you've seen the league grow in terms of demographics and ratings? And I guess, you know, I'll throw this at you too. I, you probably haven't prepared for this at all, but if you could pitch this league to someone who isn't a fan right now, why would you tell them to watch? Why would you tell them to be a fan? I think I'd point to just the talent and how, how well dispersed the talent is that any team can win on any night. Um, and, and, and I think the, a big comment that people used to make, it's a classic sexist trope. It was the whole, oh, it's chaotic. It's low quality <laughs> basketball. And that's definitely not true. And I think it has improved quality wise. And, you know, it, I think maybe five years ago, you'd see slightly more turnovers and things like that in the WNBA. But in today's WNBA, it's a, it's a high quality game. The, the shooting percentages are, are only going up. And it's amazing to see how, especially from deep, it seems that the WNBA is such a consistent league from deep. When you see, when I'm at these Liberty games, you see someone take a wild three, they shoot, they hit it 60% of the time. It's amazing. And, 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 it's, and a lot of people want to make the, the negative comments that it doesn't match the NBA on an excitement level because you can't have the, the amazing dunks and the, you know, the, the players are obviously physically smaller, but, it's, it's such an exciting league and there's so many things to be to be excited about for this WNBA moving forward. I think that, that it's only improving product wise, talent wise, and especially popularity wise. That's the big thing. It's becoming more mainstream when mainstream sports media has kind of tried to you know, keep it under the rug because it's, it's maybe not going to bring you the ratings that the NBA would back in the day. But it, moving forward, I think that it's really going to be, it's going to become more of an equal to the NBA viewer wise, fans wise. I, I've been going to the Liberty games and it does kind of suck. You don't see the kind of turnout you would want, uh, you know, fans wise, but I think that'll come in the next few years. Once the, once the league has the, all these media deals and becomes more of a, a public face in the grand scheme of sports media. Yeah. And, and you mentioned not being as exciting as the NBA, but I would say that they play better defense. And I think, mm -hmm. 
it, it's a lot more team oriented and less ISO oriented. But at the same time, the reason that a league like the NBA has been so successful is because they capitalize on their stars and how, and they yeah. promote their stars. They lift them up. And I think the WNBA is just starting to really figure out how to do that and using those stars to bring in fans, you know, sell jerseys, get people excited to yeah. go, oh, like, see what this girl's doing. See what this woman's doing. Let's go watch her. And I, I think, yeah. I think, right. And I think the more people give it a chance, the more they'll find that those stereotypes, those, you know, those, those old school comments aren't as true as they may think. So with all that being said, we do want to get to some NBA talk. And one thing that I've seen all over NBA Twitter, all over NBA news shows, and it, we talked about a little bit a few episodes ago, and that is an early look at some of the biggest games coming up for the 75th uh, anniversary season for the NBA. And it is two months away, I think almost less than two months away now for the yeah. start of the 2021-2022 NBA season. But sports books loves, love to get people excited. They want people to start putting their bids in early. And the odds are already out there. And the Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers are considered by a pretty wide margin the championship favorites, which is probably not surprising for most. Maybe interesting that the former the reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks are fourth on that list the Warriors are actually third but the Nets championship odds are plus 220 the best of any team they're also projected to win the most regular season games of any team with a win total of 55.5 so uh, if this game which is actually we're going to get a preview if it doesn't make to the finals we're at least going to see these two teams play on Christmas day which will be really exciting but Miles in your opinion is this realistic? Like, are, is this kind of a no-brainer that the Nets and the Lakers are going to be in the finals? In my opinion, it's not that cut and dry. I think it's, it is a relatively talented league. There are a lot of young teams that can make a splash. And, and the key with those big three teams, obviously with LA, you have LeBron, AD, Westbrook. In New York, you have KD, Harden, and uh, Kyrie. The key for those teams is going to be injured. So I think last year we saw that at least one or two of those guys were out a big chunk of the season that really affected them. Like I I'm from Pasadena. I've watched a lot of Lakers basketball and there was about a two month span where AD and LeBron were out together. And it was just Dennis Schroeder just trying to carry the Lakers to a handful of wins and he was struggling. And, and, and that really, you know, it, it was a testament to who the Lakers are. When you, when your stars are hurt, you need your bench to step up. You need your role players to play like stars. And it's going to, they're going to have trouble with that if they face the same amount of injuries they did last year. And the same thing goes for Brooklyn. And when you look at Harden, Katie, and Kyrie, those are three of the most injury-prone players in the league. I feel like all the stars in the, in the NBA are relatively injury-prone. They're, they're always very conservative with them when they're coming back because you don't want to you know, ruin their playoff stretch just to have them play a couple months in the middle of the year. And I get that. But the key to these these teams is going to be the injuries. Who's able to stay healthy? And, and, I, and I don't think that either team will have the big three for the majority of their season. At least one of these guys will be injured at any given moment. And I think it'll open things up for teams like the Warriors in the Bucks. The Warriors, obviously, with Clay coming back, Steph Curry signing the $215 million extension, they're, they're a star-studded team again. And they have a lot of young talent. I think the Warriors will definitely make a push and compete with these Lakers in the West. And with the Lakers, yeah, like I said, it's all up to the injury bug. If they're able to stay away from the injury bug, they'll have a very successful year. 
Right. And in something that comes along with injuries and, and the reason a lot of these guys are so injury prone is because a lot of these guys have been in the league for a long time. I mean, the, the, if you want to talk about star power and you look at these two teams, you have eight guaranteed Hall of Famers here, maybe nine if you count Blake Griffin, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, AD, Harden, Russell, yeah. Westbrook, Kyrie. Carmelo, Dwight Howard, you know, and that's 85 all-star appearances, 11 scoring titles, nine rings, seven MVPs, and the league's last five assist leaders. Like it, it doesn't, there is, it doesn't get more star studded than that, than the, that asset right there. But more than half those guys are old. Like, I'm just going to say it how it is. They're old. And we saw it last season. The reason that the Lakers struggled so much was injuries. And then you, you look at the Nets, they were within a few inches away of making it to the finals, but their big three only played so many games together. I mean, they really didn't, we didn't really get to see what their potential was because at least one of them was, it was a rotating door. One of them was always out. So I think that's a really good point. And I think injuries is, that's going to be any team you talk about is, is who can stay healthy. I yeah. mean, you look at, you mentioned like who's, who's going to be a threat to them. You mentioned the Warriors. If Clay comes back and is able to stay healthy, that's, that's definitely a contender. And then, there's a lot of people who are waiting to see how serious their injury injury is. And if they're able to come back, Kawhi Leonard, you know, how partial torn ACL, he got surgery to fix that. How long is that going to take Jamal Murray? Is he going to be ready off of his ACL tear? You know, that those two injuries knock out the Clippers nuggets right there. But if those players are able to come back for the postseason, then it's another story. So injuries is injuries are definitely going to play a huge role in whether or not these two teams make it to the finals. However, I want to play, I want to pretend that we're in a perfect world. Injuries don't happen. And, you know, for the sake of basketball fans everywhere, I just want to talk about what this game could mean for the game. I mean, we just came out of a season where we got to see teams that we don't normally see make it to the finals. We got to see young guys play. We met Trey Young. We have our new young villain. We had Devin Booker, you know, show out. So we, that was a good change for the NBA, but a reason, a part of the reason that we were there was what you mentioned, that's injuries. So I think it'll be good if we can have a a quote unquote normal season again, where we have these kind of matchups. I mean, uh, LeBron versus Katie. It, it, to me, it doesn't get better than that too. You have the guy who's one of the greatest of all times. If you want to call him the goat, call him the goat. And then people, and then now people are calling Katie the goat and saying that LeBron's, you know, washed up and that Katie the future. And so I, I think that's a really interesting matchup. I, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit, Miles. Yeah, I think in my opinion, Katie is the best basketball player in the world today. I think he proved right. that in the Olympics. I think he's proved that the past couple seasons, he's the guy who, when the, sh- the game is on the line, I want the ball in his hands. You know, it, it's right. a luxury to have him on your team in the fourth quarter. I think he, we obviously saw when they lost the series against the Bucks. it was Katie who hit the shot, sent it into overtime with, with his foot on the line, it would have won it. And then in overtime, he obviously takes the shot and he's so gassed. He's so tired. He doesn't, nothing left in his legs. And of course he misses it sends the Bucks onto the finals. And I, I think it's going to be a similar year for the Nets. They're going to make it to the either Eastern Conference finals at the least. And, and it used to be a kind of weak Eastern Conference where you said, oh, of course they'll make it. They'll make it deep in the East because there's not that much competition. It used to be, oh, the West is where all the stars are. In the East, it's a coast if you have a good team in the East. And that's not the case anymore. When you have teams like the Knicks, the Hawks, that's a, an amazing rivalry brewing after last year's. 
playoff series. So I'm excited for that game. Christmas Day, the Hawks come into it's an MSG again, so that'll be fun. But the, the Eastern Conference is not something that you can look down on anymore. It's a star-studded league with the top six teams from Philadelphia to Boston to Atlanta to New York. Everyone's moving down to the Sixers. I mean, even down to the Indianapolis, uh, Indiana Pacers, pardon me. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I, it, it's There's a lot of talent there. I mean, Miami bringing in Kyle Lowry, that should add a change. You're right, the 76ers, if they figure out what to do with Ben Simmons, they have Joel Embiid. Like, it, it's a very talented league. And I think, I, I think I, I'm going to agree with you. I, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, not it doesn't make for good content but I'm gonna agree with you that I do think Katie is probably the most talented player in the game right now but I would love to see him and LeBron go at it one more time they've squared off in 14 playoff games now and Durant has won nine of those across three finals but he's always had stars around him you know Curry Clay Thompson Draymond Green Andre Andre Gudala so now you want to talk about depth the Lakers they were pretty active this offseason I mean they they got depth for life for, you know for to make it simple i mean they bring in russell westbrook which there's some, might be some spacing concerns there but it's definitely going to help taking off some of that ball handling pressure from lebron yeah. but they now have Malik monk kendrick nunn wayne ellington Carmelo anthony dwight howard's back again you know tht is back so this is this is a deep team and the nets also have depth too Jeff Green is gone, but they do have Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, and Bruce Brown back. But I, I, I do, I, I would not be surprised if LeBron comes into this this year and takes it like a revenge tour. Absolutely, and I think you know there's always going to be the issues about when you have that many star, stars on the floor. Where's the ball going to be? There's only one basketball, you know. So Russell Westbrook will have an adjustment period when he joins the Lakers. I think LeBron is still going to play more of that facilitator take a step back role with like he has in the past with with ad he's obviously aging he's obviously one of the one of the oldest players in the nba at this point and like i think he's going to appreciate that russell Westbrook will take some of that attention off of him because he's not used to this where even when he was on miami for example with dwayne wade and chris bosh he was lebron james he was lebron james at the height of his powers so the chris bosh and dwayne wade didn't take nearly as much pressure off of him that ad and russell westbrook do in this big three so i'm very excited to see what lebron does i think you know you mentioned tht and malik monk those are two young guys who are real bona fide bucket getters you could say they're always able to score the basketball especially tht can score in so many ways true three level score and i uh, i think when you compare the depth of the nets to the depth of the lakers the Lakers definitely win that battle. They have the the young the young guys like Monk, and then the, of course the very old vets and Carmelo and Dwight Howard. So it, it's always interesting to see how old guys like Dwight Howard play at this point in their career, joining a new team seemingly almost every year. But I, I'm excited for Dwight Howard's year when what he'll provide for the Lakers bench. Yeah, uh, definitely. And unfortunately, the earliest we'll probably see this matchup is Christmas, and then. 
who knows or not, who knows uh, if or when we'll see them in the finals, but it's early. So uh, we love talking predictions here. We love to do that, but I want to get into some recent and current storylines. Uh, I know you've been paying attention to the Celtics offseason. We talked about the Lakers being aggressive this offseason, but for once, and maybe it's because Danny Ainge is, is no longer the president of basketball ops there. The Celtics have made a lot of moves this offseason, and I'm going to let you kind of get into that for us. Yeah, absolutely. You see that Brad Stevens has a much different philosophy than Danny Ainge, um, and it's been exciting. Uh, they signed Dennis Schroeder, a very underrated player, in my opinion, for the veteran minimum, which shocked me. I, I obviously, after Dennis Schroeder fumbled the 80-something million with the Lakers, it, it did kind of break my heart to see him only get the 5.9 in a league where Robert Williams is getting 54 million. It must be infuriating if you're a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who is really earned his stripes in this league in a way Robert Williams hasn't. So Dennis Schroeder is going to be a great piece for Boston. And then obviously the two big re-signings were Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. In my opinion, they sort of overpaid for both. Both of those guys are big energy guys, big personality, big clubhouse guys, you'd call it in baseball. And like, I I think Robert Williams is, I understand the signing in a way. 54 million isn't, you know, 154 million. And in this league it's funny to say that 54 million isn't that much money but that's kind of the era we live in at this point he's, he's someone who's stands at six foot eight a very undersized big man last year he only averaged eight and 6.9 rebounds a game so round that up to seven rebounds a game so he's, he hasn't been that productive in his in his couple years with the celtics obviously last year he broke into more of a starting role only started 13 games last year, but this year they obviously expect him to be nearly an everyday starter or a guy who's going to come off to be the sixth, seventh man at the worst, because you wouldn't give a guy 54 million to be the ninth, 10th man. And Robert Williams is someone who can make the fashion flashy play at times. He, he gets the blocks, he gets the aggressive dunks, but to me, this wasn't a great value signing for the Celtics. I would have steered clear of Robert Williams. I understand why everyone is so in love with Robert Williams, but he's really just not for me. I think that's fair. Now, listen, I don't know if you know this, but you're talking to a Celtics fan. So I, I understand completely when you say locker room, clubhouse guys, oh, Marcus Smart, yeah. Robert Williams. Those are two examples yeah. of it right there. But I, I also hear you out and say that they did spend a lot of money on both those guys. And, yeah. and on, on most of their acquisitions uh, this year, they did bring in Josh Richardson as well. Um, and it was funny when the Boston Celtics started their offseason, they were making all these moves. They got rid of Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, all right, we're going to create this cap flexibility. And then we're going to go all in on a superstar in free yeah. agency. And <laughs> They didn't do that. <laughs> I don't think they're planning on doing that anytime soon. So as a Celtics fan, seeing that these, these are the guys we put our money into or put our investments into mm-hmm. is a little concerning. I mean, to me, like yeah. Al Horford, he's cheaper than Kemba Walker and his contract ends a year sooner, but I don't really know what he brings to the team. And he's certainly not filling. I don't think the collection of guys that they brought in is going to fill the hole that a healthy Kemba Walker would leave. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a team and I, yeah, you bring in Dennis Schroeder, but he's not perfect. I mean, he's, yeah. he's good. He's solid and getting him for a mid-level exception. That's really nice. But it to me, it just, it doesn't feel like they really moved the needle. And given the guys that they have on this team, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you have a new coach. Like I, to me, they needed to do more. And I, and 
in my opinion, they haven't done enough. I agree with you. They, they made the cap space to get a third piece to add to Brown and Tatum. They totally didn't do that. They gave the money to their, to their hustle guys, which is funny because every NBA team needs hustle guys, needs energy guys. But to give these big contracts to them and then take away the ability to sign a third superstar, it doesn't really make sense to me. I agree with you. Obviously, you know, I, I'm a big Brad Stevens fan. I think he has a great basketball mind, but this offseason did confuse me. And, and even while Dennis Schroeder is a great piece, I've watched a lot of Dennis Schroeder basketball. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of his. I feel like he's way underrated. He's still no Kemba Walker. I don't think anyone can really make that argument. But, yeah, we'll see. Like, the Celtics definitely are still a, a, a playoff team in the East, and, and I'm excited for this competitive East this year. Oh, yeah, definitely. And now you mentioned Dennis Schroeder and fumbling the bag. And now speaking <laughs> of fumbling the bag, Apparently, what he should be doing instead of signing his five mil with the Celtics, he should be suing his agent for whoever let him make that decision, which is exactly what Nerlens Noel is doing. The Knicks Center is suing Rich Paul, who everyone knows about. He represents some of the biggest guys in basketball, LeBron, AD, Trey Young. He's suing him for $58 million in lost contract money. He's claiming breaches of fiduciary duty, breach of contract and negligence. That's all in the lawsuit. And I, if you read the story, it's kind of, it's kind of long and confusing and complicated, but essentially, apparently when he was being, he got offered a four year, $70 million contract for the Mavericks in 2017. Uh, Rich Paul was not his agent, but I guess he met Rich Paul at Ben Simmons birthday party of all places. Mm-hmm. And apparently Somehow Rich Paul convinced him that he was worth a hundred million and that he should say no to this contract. And so uh, Nerlens Noel ends up signing with Clutch Sports, the agency, and ends up to not not taking the seventy million dollars. And this is we're, we're talking about Nerlens Noel here. Like, yes. <laughs> remember yeah. that as I go through the story. He declines a seventy million dollar contract and instead takes a one year four point one million dollar qualifying offer to become a free agent the following summer. And as the story goes. <laughs> He ends up tearing a ligament in his thumb, plays pr- pretty much 30 games, has the worst season of his career, and isn't able to get that $100 million that apparently Rich Paul had, had promised him that he was going to get. And then from there, it, it gets messy after that. Uh, Nerlens Noel says that Paul wouldn't answer calls from teams looking uh, to sign him or make trade deals for him, that, that he couldn't reach his agent, they were kind of neglecting him, and that he, he lists examples, the Philadelphia Coach at that time, Brett Brown, uh, attempts to contact Paul and the agent doesn't return the calls. Eventually, Noel leaves the agency. He signs with the Knicks in the 2019-2020 season. He ends up dropping Clutch Sports in December 2020. Um, and then in his first free agency period, he just signed a three-year, $32 million contract. So considering that $70 million contract that he allegedly could have gotten, he's now saying that Paul cost him $58 million and lost contract money. Now, that was a really long and confusing story, but essentially to me, what it comes down to is Nerlens Noel is upset that he took a risk on himself and wants to blame it on someone, so he's blaming it on his agent. Now, to me, it's really hard for me to feel bad for him or to believe that Rich Paul is really at fault. I understand. To me, it's more of an issue that he maybe wasn't answering calls for teams for him as a client, but 
the fact that he gave him advice about this deal when he wasn't even really his agent and Nerlens Noel went with it. To me, that's kind of on him. I would love to hear your opinion on this, though. Yeah, no, I think this is definitely the story of the summer. I think this is by far the most interesting off-season drama we've had in WNBA. And I think a funny element to this is that I didn't even learn this till this year. It seems like something would be obvious, but Rich Paul is the brother of Chris Paul. I'm not sure if you knew that. I found that hilarious. Like, it's, he's a real, he, he's got family ties to the NBA. He's obviously good friends with LeBron. And, and I think this situation does make him look pretty slimy because in, if you're in Rich Paul's shoes, you meet him at Ben Simmons' birthday party in LA, you hear about this 70-something million that he's going to sign with somebody else. And if you're Rich Paul, you're just thinking, that's seven million for another agent, given that he gets about 10%. So in, in Rich Paul's eyes, he says, why don't you pass up that 70 and I'll get you I'll get you 90 and get me 10 next right. year. Obviously, all he's really thinking about is let me get myself 10. He doesn't give a damn about Nerlens Noel. Now, if you're Nerlens Noel, it is it is hard to have sympathy for Nerlens because you should be smarter. You should have more, more business acumen, you could say. And you would expect that you see the 77 on a table for a guy who hasn't been a star in this league and say you got to take the 77. And, and that's pretty obvious to me. It's just kind of it's, it's kind of a, an uncomfortable thing to really think about because Nerlens left his first agent in the dust over this Los Angeles party. Seems like a very aggressive, bold move that he was almost, he was really convinced by Rich Paul that Rich Paul could change his career financially and everything like that. So obviously Rich Paul must be an amazing talker. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it, it, I think it does make Rich Paul look like a slimy character. A very self-interested agent who is really doesn't have his 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 player's best interest at heart, and that's huge when you're an agent. That's that's the key. You, obviously, you're looking to make your 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 money, you know, with on that commission. But to to steer a, a, another person clear of seventy seven million, because obviously injuries do happen every year. That was always on the table. Nerland should have considered that. But I'm still I I wasn't a big fan of Rich Paul going in. And I'm really not a big fan of him after this because, you know, he, he just should be a more responsible agent. And even while Nerlens does need to take responsibility because he's the one who ha has the decision at the end of the day, he did not need to go with Rich Paul. He did not need to ever leave his original agent behind in the first place. Obviously someone who seemed to have his best interests at heart. And, and it's just, it's, it's an uncomfortable and kind of sad situation for Nerlens where given that Rich wasn't necessarily a malicious character, he's just kind of slimy, self-interested, doing what most agents would do. It just, it, it is kind of sad to see a player like Nerlens in this position who will probably never sign that centimillion dollar deal that he would have gotten or that Rich Paul allegedly said that he would get. Yeah, I, I think you're, I, I didn't really consider that. And I think you're right. I, it, it doesn't make Rich Paul look great in the situation, especially because in the report, Noel cites other players who have been mistreated by him. Basically, the B and C list guys mm -hmm. are getting pushed to the side while Rich Paul focuses on, on all his main guys, which from a business standpoint, I, you can kind of understand, but at the same time, you're right. If he was able to persuade him enough to leave his agent from a birthday party, yeah. turn down this deal, then he must have been saying some pretty big, yeah. wild, making some pretty wild promises. So you got to believe, and, and if it got to the point where Noel feels like he needs to sue him about it, it must have been pretty serious. So at the end of the day, with a situation like this, 
we're never really going to know the full story because it's going to be one man's word up against another man's word. And so it's really going to come down to a, he said, he said thing. So yeah, yeah, I I do feel bad for Nolan's Noel. I mean, he, if that was his potential contract, I think you're right. That's probably the highest he'll ever get. And, and injuries do happen. And that is something in my opinion, you have to consider, but uh, at the same time, I'm not, I never went to law school. I don't know the logistics behind whether yeah, or not yeah. this is going to stand up in court. But in my opinion, I don't. I don't see Rich Paul being completely at fault because it seems like one of those things where you can't really sue someone for them. You know, yeah. for you know, you can't really sue for them not coming through uh, for something that they don't have total control over. So we'll see how this goes down. Yeah. It doesn't seem like something that could ever stand up in court. You're completely. No. Right. <laughs> Rich Paul has every right to act self-interested and kind of this slimy agent. That's not illegal by any means. It just happened to not work out in Nerlens' flavor this time. I can't imagine on what official grounds you would sue on to try and collect this. Like he was looking to collect 50 something million that he missed out on. Where it's like, where would that money come from? It, it, you know, it, he didn't sign the deal and that was his decision can't expect Rich Paul to compensate you for that. It just, it still makes me sad to see Nolan's in this position because it's, it makes sense that Rich Paul with the B and the C guys, they're not a priority. And that's how it's always going to be because when you have like a LeBron James, if, you, if you're LeBron James agent and you're getting a certain percentage of LeBron James deal, that's more than that percentage of LeBron James is more than everybody else combined. I mean, who's, who's really paying your bills? That's who you care about. So it, it, it all really makes sense that Rich Paul acted the way he did, but I wouldn't, if I, if I were a prospect, I would not sign with Rich Hill. I, I think that's a very, very good point. And, uh, you know, I'm assuming if you're an agent as big as Rich Paul, that in your contracts with clients, there has to be clauses about situations like this, where, you know, if something doesn't work out, if like his advice, I'm sure he has a, a, enough legal um, help that they have back up in these situations. So we'll see what happens, but I, I want to thank Nerlens Noel for giving us something to talk about yeah. <laughs> uh, on this podcast. And you're right. It is. It's one of the most interesting stories of the summer. So we'll see what happens in a few months or whenever this gets resolved, but that's going to do it for us on this episode of pick and pod miles. You met that you surpassed expectations. I would love to have you on the show again. Hopefully we'll get to do some more shows together, whether it's on pick and pod one-on-one or any of the other great WFUV shows. But for now, we will see you next week. I'm Kelly bright pick and pod is production of WFUV sports. Mm-hmm.